Yeah. Uh, this is not helping. Yeah, so I agree. We're losing the war on drugs. Yeah. Um, I don't want us to do what just happened with Afghanistan, where we realize we're losing this war, mm-hmm. um, and we just uh, throw our hands up and exit in a- Oh, in a, yeah. yeah. No, that so would be awful. This has Let's to be very, very carefully thought out. And- I completely agree. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast where we talk about Geo Metro drivers. Dave, this is not that podcast. This That's... This is the Hopper podcast. We're, oh, okay. Well, you have a Geo Metro. I do, and you and I host, that's a different podcast that we host. Um, we are right now, I, I thought we were going to record for the Hopper. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, you have yeah. a Geo Metro. We both have Geo Metros. And yeah, but you have a tattoo I, love, of one. Well, that's true. That, yeah. That's why I'm the president of the club, and you are not. That's right. Yeah. I'm no. in the hair club for men, though. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's a different thing. Um, that's a different podcast that we host. Okay. So the Hopper. We're the doing hopper. the Hopper right now. Let's do the Hopper, and then tomorrow we're going to record for, because we got a special guest for the Geo Metro uh, Appreciation Club podcast. Okay. Is it Pee Wee Herman? It is not. It is a surprise guest, but okay. it's not Pee Wee Herman. All right. Good. Um, not again. We're not going through that again. Okay. The Hopper. But I do have a good topic for the Hopper. Well... Let's do it. Okay. And that topic is, should we, as a country, legalize mm. drugs? Yeah. That's the question. That's, that's a good question. question. Yeah. And, and uh, or to what degree should we? So there's, yeah. there's a huge Now, do you range. make a difference between decriminalizing and legalizing? Yeah. There's a big difference between those two things. Uh-huh. Um, decriminalizing the behavior means that, that you are allowed to own and use a drug, um, but then there are other things that are not legal related to drug use. And then, But legalizing drugs means that everything is okay and it's a totally regulated industry like milk or something like that. Yeah. That's my understanding. Although I'm not an expert in the law or even law enforcement, nothing like that. We, You and I are more experts. We're going to come at this from a moral standpoint mm-hmm. and uh, a, a, in ethics in terms of, um, you know, Christian ethics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fire away. Well, so the the reason that it comes up so often, I think, in a lot of circles is that our war on drugs has not been very effective. I don't know how anybody could say that the war on drugs has been effective when we have so many people incarcerated for drug-related offenses and we have so many... Um, overdoses that are actually killing people and the the drug trade and drug use has not gone down since Nancy Reagan said just say no i was a part of that um probably you were too the dare generation where we uh were taught to uh say no to drugs and that sort of thing it has not been effective and people are dying and it is not helpful mm-hmm. um and maybe we're struggling because we don't know of an, of an alternative. But what we've started to do in some states in the United States, not in our state of Kentucky, is to legalize marijuana or to decriminalize it. And 
there hasn't been like rampant um, uh, crime in those uh, cases. You know, there's not been like a, a rise in violence or a rise in. And so people are wondering if this is a, a really a, a way forward. The other thing that caught my attention when I think about this issue morally is that it was um, what back in 2001, I think, that um, uh, Portugal decriminalized all and legalized all drugs, all drugs. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge fight at the time when that happened uh, between the right and the left there in, in Portugal. And, but they decriminalized it and legalized all drugs. And now their drug use is less than half what it was. And overdoses have been, are almost non-existent. Overdoses are almost, they were, they had a, a crazy um, amount of overdoses, especially on heroin. Um, and now, like the number of overdoses in the country in one year can be counted on one hand. <laughs> it happens, but it's incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is that instead of the, all the money that they were f- uh, putting in for the government to fight the crime of whatever drug stuff, all the, all the, all that stuff, they're putting that same amount of resources and money into uh, helping people who want to get off drugs to get off drugs and those who want to use drugs to use them safely. Mm-hmm. And so what they're doing is that they are surrounding people, so people who want to get off drugs, who are using drugs and want to get off drugs, so you ma- imagine you're, you're addicted to heroin, so there's no stigma about it, and we're going to come and, and you can, uh, we're going to surround you with support and help give you a reason for living. And it's those kinds of things that are helping people to get off drugs. And um, it's not stigmatized anymore. Um, And, you know, it's interesting, especially with the opioid crisis. And in Kentucky, we've been hit really, really hard Mm -hmm. uh, with the opioid crisis. It's interesting that um, people are trying to, this is my understanding, is that people are trying to uh, use opioids to drown out the pain that they're feeling, uh, right, and they are painkillers. But people are try- They also can numb you not only to your physical pain but also to your emotional pain. That's true. And so, like all addictions, when that when your pain is numbed, then that that uh, you're not dealing with your pain. So that right. when you recover from it, that pain is still there. And in fact, because you haven't been dealing with it, it actually gets worse. And so then it comes into the cycle. I've got to use even more drugs to numb that pain. And so then the question is, how can we help someone actually deal with the pain, that original pain, so that they don't need drugs? Or another way to say it is, I think a really healthy approach to battling addiction of any sort is, how do I help you create a life where you don't need an addiction to numb your pain? Yeah. And if I can do that, I don't think anybody, nobody wants to be addicted to pornography. Nobody wants to be addicted to drugs. Let's stay with drugs. But I think gambling and, I mean, all kinds of addictions work the exact same way, and it's to numb our pain. But let's stick with the drugs. Nobody wants to be addicted to drugs. Nobody does. But it's a way to numb their pain. And if we can help them deal with their pain, and then they'll naturally not. Here's another statistic or not, or a set of statistics that I don't have at my fingertips, but I know that we got lots and lots of people who are in the hospital. They have open heart surgery. They have other kinds of surgeries that are incredibly painful. I talked to a guy that they he was explaining the uh, procedure to me. He was actually a medical student, and this happened to him. He had a problem with his hip, and um, he was telling me 
that basically what they had to do is to take off his hip, clean the inside of the joint, yeah. uh, a surgeon did, and then put his hip back together. Sure. Oh, my gosh. The pain of, I mean, you can imagine how traumatic that is to his body. He got like the highest level of pain medicine you can possibly get. He got sent home with all kinds of opioids. Once that, Once the physical pain is gone, there's no problem. He was on crazy high dos- doses of opioids. It's not addictive. Why not? Because he had a support structure. He did not have pain that he was not dealing with, is that emotional pain. And if we can help... So opioids itself are not the problem. It's people who are deciding not to deal or don't have the capability of dealing with the emotional pain that they're feeling. I think that's yeah. the core issue of addictions. I think you're right. I, I remember an experiment where they took a rat and they put... Uh, a rat in a in a like basically like solitary confinement. Yeah, and they provided uh, an opioid laced water and a regular water, mm-hmm. and these rats were would get addicted to the to the opiate water. Yep. Um, then they would put them in a large container with m- many other rats. Yeah. And uh, almost none of them would be uh, interested in the opioid water. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just a um, you know, they they are. They called it Rat City, you know, like they, <laughs> okay. They have uh, socialization and other things going on, and they don't need, but it, they're trapped in a place, an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, right. Um, then they, yeah, they turn to that, which is why there there are numerous veterans who have come yes. back and gotten addicted, yes, um, and have not had adequate help for the right. PTSD and the right. trauma. Um, that's a it's a huge problem. In some cases, in in actually rare cases. But I've known some, they do have adequate access to get help with PTSD, but it's so that kind of help is so stigmatized that they actually don't get it. Mm. And so they self-medicate with opioids. Mm-hmm. That's actually rare. Uh, more likely, I think for more of our veterans, the help isn't readily available. Uh, but either way, if they're not getting it, then they're self-medicating with opioids. A lot of them are. Yeah, so that's, that's one thing to talk about is how okay. to... Um, prevent people from the desire for self-medication. Yes. Right? But um, let's talk more about the legalization okay. as, as part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, will that really help or harm? You're saying that it, if the resources are spent toward the the former, then we won't have as much uh, as many addicts. That's what the evidence shows. Mm-hmm. For example, in Portugal is the biggest example. There are some other places that have uh, gone other, you know, that are smaller, but this, the entire country of Portugal was the, was the leader in this. They are not a wealthy country. In fact, in, the Euro- in, in Europe, they're one of the poorer countries, but they have found the resources to devote to people who need those resources. Um, and yeah, they have dropped their drug use and uh, drug overdoses tremendously. It still happens. I mean, there are still people who, who do that, but... Um, yeah, it's it's overwhelmingly clear. You know, this reminds me a little bit of our um, talk about abortion, mm-hmm. in the sense that if we spend all of our resources trying to clamp down on the uh, on to make sure that women cannot get abortions, like that's not going to prevent people from getting abortions. If we if we put all of our resources and we have put all of our resources in, let's stop the drug trade and let's let's criminalize. You know, if you have heroin, right. you're going right to prison. Right. Okay. You know what? We've been doing that a long time, yeah. and it's not helping. Uh, opioid use is through the roof. In the last couple of years during COVID, it is uh, our opioid deaths in our state and in our country have skyrocketed. Yeah, uh, 
this is not helping. Yeah, so I agree. We're losing the war on drugs. Yeah. Um, I don't want us to do what just happened with Afghanistan, where we realize we're losing this war, mm-hmm. um, and we just uh, throw our hands up and exit in a- Oh, in a, yeah. yeah. No, that so would be awful. This has Let's to be very, very carefully thought out. I completely agree. I like the idea that some states are trying this ahead of others, that there, are, yes. there can be more case studies and evaluation. Well, now, so I think if you're talking about drug about legalizing marijuana, I think they have just thrown their hands up and just said, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. The, 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 to provide the opposite of that is to um, legalize the drug, but then provide all that money that was being spent there Let's help you get off of your addiction. I don't think Colorado's been doing that. They're just legalized drugs. Yeah. I remember going there a couple of years ago, and yeah, you just go to a store and you can get marijuana. Well, marijuana is not like heroin. Uh, very different. Right. So Very, very different. People, they either want to use it or they don't, yeah. and it's not really an, an addiction. And it's not very addictive, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I've talked to, uh, I'm, by the way, I've not formulated my opinion on this one. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still... And- entertaining both sides but when i sure. talk to police officers and i mean like detectives yeah of which i know several they all say the same thing what's that and that that it's a nightmare that what is? A, the legalization of drugs or like okay. anything that would enable people to uh to experiment or to try them or to, because they the marijuana leads to other drugs that are life-threatening or okay. damaging mm-hmm. um and i said well what, what about the violence you know what if you yeah. remove right uh the the black market on marijuana right, that's so, huge. There, so the violence the money component is done away with mm-hmm. and he said uh both of them that i've talked to said well you know that's true in the case of alcohol but alcohol is almost always involved and in every murder i've ever investigated mm-hmm. um quite often someone was drunk or using marijuana um it's just a common part of that lifestyle and alcohol is legal it's regulated. Yes. Okay, but it's so legal. here's the yeah. question. Would, would yeah. My question, if I were talking to those detectives, yeah. and I don't know who they are, I would immediately say, would you, are you, would you advocate for making alcohol illegal? I asked one of them, okay, um, and, and he said yes. Okay. That, uh, that, That's consistent, at least. Yeah, because he, he says it's, it, he has seen so much of the destruction sure. in people's lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that he thinks we're just better without it. And I said, well, what about you know prohibition? Yeah. When they tried to do that and just black market, bootlegging, yes. Yes, you know, yes, criminal yes. activity increase. And uh, he didn't really have a—I didn't get a satisfactory answer. Yeah. Um, I just think it's one of those things where people are going to use something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, how are we going to manage that, prevent it from— becoming a problem system yeah and, and i'm open to this idea yeah um certainly i i do feel like the, the war on drugs is being lost and there needs to be a really well thought out exit strategy from our current situation yeah that i agree with so if i were to, so it sounds to me like what you're talking about with the detectives and correct me if i'm wrong yeah is that they were imagining or maybe you were imagining and, and they were joining you of legalizing drugs and then that's it and if that's the case, that's the same scenario as what you talked about. Let's get out of Afghanistan, and we've got no exit plan uh, and no way to help the country. Um, so I think that's a horrible idea. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. I think much better is let's legalize these drugs, maybe tax them. I don't. I haven't thought a whole lot about that. But okay. So then the price of them goes down because the actual sub, like to make heroin, is super cheap. To make um, you know, uh, fentanyl, super cheap. They're just chemicals. They're very easy to make. 
but the, their high price is only because they're illegal, and then the the cost of of transporting them and that kind of thing is crazy high because mm-hmm. of that. Okay, so maybe we can tax them. We can do whatever we can. Okay, but we we're using an enormous amount of money. So take all that money that we're using to enforce. Um, to, to criminalize it, to lock people up, to track it down, all those kind of things, and make support systems so that addicts can get help. You know, I, then as we, as that's very it, different. That's a different situation. I think I think we do need to delineate between marijuana and things like heroin. They're, I, I think they're it's very two different, different discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. You know, when you talk about heroin, um, there are people who have a genetic disposition for addiction. Yes. Uh, with alcohol as well. Sure. Um, but uh, there are people who have said that they, the first time they tried cocaine, yep. they knew they were hooked. Yep. The first time yep. they tried heroin, totally. they knew they were going to be an addict. They were always going to be chasing that yep. first feeling yep. that they had that, that it doesn't deliver. Too. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's it's a law of diminishing returns, right? And yep. so then, um, and if and if something is readily available and legal and you can go buy it in the store, I think it will encourage experimentation and um so that's my you know, yes. that's one of my questions sure. with heroin. Sure, I, I do think that's true for marijuana as well. If marijuana is available and it's not illegal, I think there'll be more people using it. Of course, of course. Um, and the question is, uh, you know, I guess it's it's like a trade off. How much of the the criminal, violent, black market, money driven activity can be mm-hmm. eradicated for the um, at the expense of, of of more people smoking marijuana? Right. 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 So there's that. But then um, people don't generally die or have their lives ruined by marijuana use. The way that is true for heroin, fentanyl, uh, methamphetamines, uh-huh. cocaine. Right. That's why um, I think they're two different. So those are very yeah. different. Um, if the evidence of, of uh, Portugal means anything to you, um, those the use of those, maybe we can call them hard drugs. I don't like that term, but uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, has dropped uh, tremendously. Like it's, I've got numbers in here somewhere. Uh, I pulled up, I printed out some stuff. It's not hard to go and look up the numbers, but it's like the difference is absolutely amazing when they say, okay, if you're going to do heroin, just come to this place and do your heroin here, and uh-huh. we will make sure that you're safe. Um, when you do that, people stop using it. Well, no, no, it's not just that. It's also the uh, multidisciplinary... Uh, you're assigned, if you want to get off, if you want help, we'll get you help. Come, and what happens is people get addicted, and then they are able to talk about it. It's not stigmatized. Say, yeah, I'm addicted to heroin, and everybody looks at that and goes, hell no, I don't want to do that. We don't have the support structures. That's the thing, is that we don't have, if some, I've known lots and lots of people who are addicted to opioids, um, and they want to get off of them. And they don't know how. And so they continue to do illegal things. The police continue to hunt them. And they're desperate to get off opioids. And they can't. And what they need is they need a social worker. They need uh, a, a, a nurse. They need a doctor. They need someone to prescribe methadone. They need, they need a community of people in a halfway house or something. They need um, work uh, program to help them. They need a church to give them some sense of who they are. They need uh, someone to help. Uh, they need these kinds of. Str- they need friends. They yeah. need a family to help pour into them. They need um, a counselor to say, "Hey, what is it 
that happened to you when you were young that you're trying to fill this hole. And if we can do that, if you can find that kind of support, then you don't need to... That's and, the, that's the issue, I think. And you're in looking at Portugal. You see that they have they successfully started these types of programs. Yes, exactly. Where where am I, okay? I, in my paperwork, I, I've got too many papers here, but you can go and look at that. They have a uh, hundred and fifty something. That that number may be slightly off. Um, programs that uh, have that that are like drug treatment programs that you can go into that the government funds. They have to be multidisciplinary. They have to address certain issues. They've got some standards that, that you've got to do. And they go in, and there's almost oh, they say there's almost always a bed available just about anywhere you want to go, and they, they help people tremendously. Yeah, and it's this multidisciplinary. They use AA groups, mm-hmm. and they use, um, yeah, job training, and like this, this very uh, – spirituality is always a piece of it um, to help give people a sense of who they are counseling is always a piece of it both individual and group counseling yeah. now, now did they did they decriminalize uh heroin or did they legalize heroin uh, i don't know yeah i don't know um it's certainly not illegal to use it i mean they have places where they say here come and and we'll help you use it and we want to get you to a place where you are don't need to use it this is this is a foolish thing for you to do and it's hurting you and if you're going to do it come here and do it here yeah, I could certainly see where they would reduce uh, um, overdoses that way because they're mm-hmm. going to be monitoring people's mm-hmm. usage. But it's an invitation. You can do it at home. It's okay. Uh huh. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know why the overdose um, why overdoses would have diminished, other than people just not wanting to use. Right. I think that's the thing. People recognize. So okay, you take cocaine one time and you realize, okay, this is going to control my life. So you've got a choice there. You can go down. People are ready to turn around much earlier than what's going to ruin their life. Everybody I've talked to with addictions, they're ready to get help, and the help is not there for them. Yeah. Um, And then they ruin their lives because the help's not there for them. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm still trying to formulate an opinion on this, um, having not looked at a lot of data. Yeah. Um, you know, I have I have had heroin um, in the hospital after my appendectomy. Okay. Uh, you know, what he gave me through the, through the IV is stronger than what you get on the street, apparently. Yeah, because they often cut it on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I can tell you, I, all the pain was gone. But I did not enjoy that feeling, um, and I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine wrecking my life chasing that sensation. But um, yes, but you have a good social system, and you know how to deal with your pains. Um, no, I get it. I get it. I, I've noticed with anxiety. Um, uh-huh. You know, if I'm going to the dentist, for example, yeah, it uh, it helps to to take a lower tab. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Because uh, the pain of the of whatever procedure and just the anxiety, the, I don't like going to the dentist. I find it an anxious moment. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and that stuff helps your anxiety. Yeah, no wonder it's addictive. No yeah. wonder people want to use it. No, I get it. I get it. I just um, the level where people are chasing uh, that that warm rush where mm-hmm. all their pain disappears mm-hmm. and they lay there almost helpless, unable to speak. Yes, yes, like I was in the hospital. Yes. 
uh, and you get a little nauseated yeah. and dizzy and mm-hmm. um, to to chase that to the point where you're ready to die with an overdose yeah um, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that part yeah yeah but people do it oh yeah they you know do. the people do yeah you know the people do and it and they know what's happening and they for the most part and they don't want to live that way, but they don't know another way. It's like, remember when we were talking about the abortion uh, episode, you know, nobody gets an abortion like she wants. She doesn't want an abortion like she wants a um, Ferrari or an ice cream cone. Yeah. She she wants an abortion like a uh, animal caught in a trap wants to gnaw her own leg off. Right. And yeah, folks like this, like, okay, I've fallen into a deep pit and I need help to get out. And so then what the, what most of the world has said is you've fallen into this deep pit and you want to get out, but we're going to throw you in jail instead. Or we're going to, you know, or, or you're on your own. And so the only way to deal with it is to take some more, more of the drugs. I just looked up the um, Portugal. You asked if it was uh, uh, decriminalized or legalized. They yeah. decriminalized. Um, right. And so they're still going after drug trafficking. Um, and prosecuting that uh, in 2001, I don't know what's happened since then, but um, and that seems reasonable to me. I don't, I don't have much of a thought. I think that that's probably a good idea to go after the traffickers mm-hmm. um, who are trying to profit on it. But, but decriminalizing it so that you can, we can say, you know what, uh, if you are um, years into a heroin addiction, okay, uh, throwing you in prison, throwing you in jail, that's not what's going to be helpful to you. Let's take that money that we were going to throw you in a jail, and let's get the resources you need. Right. That to me makes is far more right, helpful right. and good. We're losing the war on drugs. I'm not this. How can I say this? Uh, I'm not for drugs. I'm not for people using drugs. I think right. it's a horrible way, and it's a way to destroy your life. That's a bad, bad choice. In the same way, I think the same thing with abortion, but making it criminal. And prosecuting people for it when mainly what is happening is that they are in pain, I think is inhumane. Have I persuaded you at all? Oh, even I'm, a little I'm, bit. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm not against it or or for it. I'm okay. like I said, I'm formulating an opinion, and so yeah. I'm I'm I, a lot of this. I'm playing devil's advocate and just sure, pressing sure, sure, some sure. Uh, to see what you say about it. Um, uh, it's it's interesting to me that the that the the police detectives that I've talked to were so emphatic about it, uh, particularly marijuana being a gateway drug. Um, a lot of the the violence uh, and murders and things that they've investigated, uh, alcohol and drugs are involved. Yeah. Um, and so we've, you know, their point is we've alcohol is legal and we have uh, problems with it every day. Yes. Every day. Yes. There's there are problems with alcohol. Yeah. Um, and I'll suggest that we do not have enough support for those who want not to be addicted to alcohol. And to say, I, I, you know, I agree with those detectives. Like, I mean, I feel like we're going around in circles yeah. a little bit, but I agree with those detectives because I, I would expect that they're not thinking of creating lots of social safety for those who want to get out of addictions, but just like, okay, now it's a free-for-all and anyone can do whatever drugs they want. I'm not suggesting that at all. Yeah, but well, I know what we yeah. got going on now is not working. Well, it's certainly not the the police force wheelhouse to to create social programs. So they're right. probably not of even course. thinking about they're that. They're not even thinking about that. But they're thinking about just like everyone can do whatever free for all, anybody can do whatever they want to. 
But the money that, yeah, that, not do that. that could be used prosecuting alcohol is not being used to create alcohol-related support groups. True. Right? That's true. That's a good point. Um, That's a good point. And so the question is, I think for this to work, there has to be a really dedicated, like I said, leaving Afghanistan in a very thoughtful plan. Yeah. You know, as, as a thoughtful plan. Yes. Yeah, a very thoughtful plan that would lead to uh, to this kind of structure being yeah because yeah. it's not there. There's no infrastructure for it. I'm with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it's interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol also, I think, is uh, sort of in between maybe marijuana and and heroin or or crack. I don't know. In the sense that um, it, it's for a lot of folks, you drink enough alcohol, you just go to sleep, right? And so it's not. It doesn't. In, it, um, it is, but it's more addictive than than marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, and so it can, can it destroy people's lives? Absolutely, and it has destroyed a lot of people's lives. Right, um, but it's not as easy to destroy your life as it is with fentanyl or heroin or these other opioids. Right, oxycontin, um, all those. We haven't even gotten into uh, an ancillary question, and that is the ethics of the Sackler family, um, who who put all this stuff on America. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. We have this pandemic uh-huh. of um, drug abuse yeah. um, through all of the typically lower economic areas, yes. which there are many. We haven't right? gotten into that, the injustice of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the, the structural issues are so large, yeah. it seems. Yeah, yeah. And there are so many people who are abusing this stuff. That's that. What If I'm following the, the reasoning here, then we're saying that we have to cure... The pain of a lot of people. Yes, yes. Um, is that reasonable? Um, can that be done? Right. Uh, that's. I'm just. I'm still thinking out loud here. I'm still not arguing or trying to come up with a, you know, uh, a defense or a whatever. I'm not sure what I think about this, but I'm just saying like. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of people using opioids. There that, are, so and we don't need to cure pain. Look, I've got some pain. You've got some pain. Exactly. Neither of us. I think that's where are, I'm headed. Right. Yeah, neither of us are um, struggling with heroin addictions. Um, we need to get people who are, who've gone, who've fallen into that pit. Okay, let's get you enough out that you can. You know how to deal with some of your pain. I know how to deal with some of mine. I have some addictions that are. You know, you you were talking about taking a lore tab. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I uh, had a very difficult case this week um, with my um, patients. I went to see a patient in a nursing home. This and very very atypically, not typically, uh, she was in a phenomenal amount of pain. Yeah, and I sat there and it was and it was just like a perfect storm of trouble. And this lady who is um, uh, nonverbal. She was laying there. She's not able to speak for herself, and she was in some of the most pain I've ever seen anybody in. And I went and talked with her nurse, and her nurse was not able to um, administer a pain medication because she was busy. And so I said, you've got to come. Like, this is unacceptable. This lady's yeah. in so much pain. She said, I'll be there in just a minute. I went I sat with the, with my patient for another 30 minutes as she is just screaming out in pain. And I went back to the nurse. I said, look, I understand you're busy. She's got to have pain medicine. And it was another 10 minutes or so before she came. So there's a much longer story than that. But it was very emotionally stressful for me at the end of a very long day. It was yeah, awful, just right. awful. And uh, on my way home, I stopped and got some junk food. Yeah. And, okay, so I do that, and that is not 
it's it's a, it helps right it's a it lower helps. case version of what we're talking about right yes uh, that's sugar, not destroying my life so yeah. how do we get someone who is uh, uh, addicted to heroin get them onto cheeseburgers. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe that maybe that's a way to say I, I'm not trying to cure their when you say cure their pain I'm not interested in curing pain I'm interested in giving you enough resources where you can deal with the pain in a way that will not destroy your life with caffeine and sugar and junk caffeine, food or something sugar other than um, whatever mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't destroy your life so we're not trying to cure people's pain but we're trying to give them you know I had the advantage of growing up in a family. Where my I know that my parents loved me. I was not abused as a child. There were problems. I got you know everybody's got problems. I, you know, um, I'm gonna send my kid to therapy when he's in his twenties, just like my parents sent me to therapy when I was in my twenties. But you know what? I got to go to therapy and I got to understand that stuff, mm-hmm. and I know how to deal with my pain. And but not not everyone has that advantage. Yeah. Not everybody has that advantage. Yeah, and so this is helping people. Okay, not curing pain. It's you need to figure out to how to have friendships and how to have a, a social community and how to understand your feelings um, so that you know what to do and how to prepare. So you say, oh, I'm about to go to the dentist. I need to take a Lortab. You know what to do when you're about to be anxious. Not yeah. everybody has learned that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not curing people of their of all their pain, but getting to where they can deal with them themselves. Yeah. So the, the nurse that didn't come yeah. uh, to this person... Uh, you think because they're desensitized to the amount of pain that they're I think she probably was all the yeah. time. She probably was. Um, Not which, all nurses are that way. Yeah, I wonder if the because there is a moral component to all this, right? Yes. Um, when people That's all that I'm talking about, I think. Yeah, when people are treating folks who have made these kinds of decisions and continue to make these kinds of decisions, mm-hmm. part of them. Uh, knows that they're making bad decisions, of course, and they don't need, they don't have to make these decisions. Right. You know, I, I, I had a back herniation uh, that was severe. Yeah, when I was okay. on. Um, you know, uh, every four hours I had a prescription NSAID and a Flexerol mm. and a Percocet. Mm-hmm. And about three months later, when I had finally gotten some injections and was starting to feel better. Um, I stopped. Yeah, right, right at the four and right at the four hour window when I would have been taking the Percocet. Yeah. Um, I started feeling bad, really bad, and for like three hours in a in a very warm house, seventy eight degree house, I was freezing cold, mm-hmm. shaking like I had a fever. Mm-hmm. Um, all the blankets in the house were on me. The kids were there with me, um, and it just like three hours. I had to just cope. So you knew what was going on, and your body I knew was exactly in what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just uh, I I remember thinking, well, I guess if I had taken these things for years, and this was a much more severe reaction, yep. and it it went on. I didn't know how long it was going to last. Sure. But after three hours, I was like, that was it. I was done. I was free from okay. it. And that's uh-huh. the end of it. Did um, that happen one time or more? Just more at often? one time. Just that one yep. time. Uh-huh. And so I thought, um, I don't know what what the withdrawal is like. I've heard it can be weeks of that. Yes. Um, depending on how addicted you were and how much you were using, yeah. which would be pretty tough. Oh yeah. Um, but there is there is like the moral. There is some mental toughness that is expected of all people. Yes. In this life. Yes. And um, and how do you how do you put that in people? I mean, I don't know how to put it in young boys on the basketball court, but not everyone plays basketball, right? I know sure. how to you know I know how to. The military can do that to some degree with some people. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you so see what I, I'm saying? Like maybe, I, maybe this 100%. nurse is desensitized because she's sick of people making these kinds of decisions and throwing their life away 
Um, and that's where I think there are some people who are going to be very cold hearted to this situation because there are bad decisions being made. Uh, I'm not saying that's me at all. I'm just saying I understand th- it's multifaceted. Right? Sure. Yeah. And let me say that uh, I understand you're right. Everyone needs some mental toughness. However, it is not. I think this is a huge issue. I think you touched on something really, really important. Yeah. Because it is not just your mental toughness. Now, you are mentally tough. I know you are. I have known you for a long time, and, and I don't want to criticize your mental toughness at all. However, it was not just your mental toughness that got you through that. You were also supported by, you said, your children around you yep. who love you. Fetching me blankets. Fetching yeah. you blankets. <laughs> yeah. You were in a safe place where you did not expect... You reasonably did not expect that someone was going to come in and hurt you yeah. in that moment. Um, and you don't have a history of people coming into your house and hurting you. Um, and that's not something that you fear. You have plenty of money in the bank so that you know you're not going to go hungry. You've got an education about your own thoughts and feelings, and you're able to assess what's going on. You had an education about these drugs. I'm going to go through withdrawal for some time, and then it's going to pass. There is an enormous amount of support that you had to go along with your mental toughness. And so someone who has the same mental toughness that you have, but you strip away, they are homeless, They've been abused as a child. They reasonably can expect that they're about to be attacked. They have no idea if they're going to eat again. There is no amount of mental toughness that's going to get you through withdrawal. And and I guess that's what I'm I'm trying to get around to is to say uh, this is a a big societal problem of which addiction seems to be just a— an indication. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so— what we do with with the drugs themselves and the the support, I'm just wondering, uh, can the support be comprehensive enough? You see what I'm saying? Can it, it be, be comprehensive yeah. enough to, to deal with what is a much broader societal issue, um, issues, like the compounding, the, the things you just named, right? Yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Well, so then we need what it is, is a safe, safe, social safety net. For a lot of what this means, in some sense, is a better social safety net for those who are falling through the cracks. Yeah. 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 And I think that we have, uh, I think. A prison definitely isn't the answer. It's not helping. No. I mean, that's not the, that's not the, the way. You know, yeah. uh, we've, we've talked about, um, in the past, we've talked about paradigms. So here is a better paradigm. What we've got is a horrible paradigm. And if this one isn't it, you've got to find what what's happening now yeah. is not acceptable, in my opinion. If you say, so in 2019, uh, 50,000 people in the United States died from opioid uh, overdosing. And since then, it has only gone up during the uh, COVID crisis. And that's not to, not to mention other drugs as well. And this is unacceptable in this sort of country, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If that's acceptable to you, then I guess, okay, there it is. Let's keep... Let's keep fighting the war on drugs, but things are getting worse, not better. Right. No, I agree. This this war is lost. Portugal has shown us a way forward that is effective and works, and I would like to see us move that direction. Mm-hmm. They've built a better paradigm, and if you and someone out there, if you all want to criticize this this uh, paradigm, build yourself a better one. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thought. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I just wonder uh, if we can think about other paradigms or if there are any um, 
you know, where does, where does the church play a role in this? Mm-hmm. Does it, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm skeptical that social programs fix a lot of societal ills, I guess is what I'm saying. What I'm wrestling with internally. It's hard for me to imagine that the, the right programs that could really fix some of this would come along. But I haven't looked at what you've looked at with Portugal. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's ideal. Yeah. There's no question in my mind about that. I think, yeah, social programs, you know, that's uh, that's not great. I think the church is is better at this. And then we also, like, how do we support families? How do we support friendships? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Or I, we could at least say the church should be better at this. this church, I'm not sure I would say that they are. Fair enough. I yeah. think the church is better poised, or no, is poised to help a lot with this. I'm not sure that the church is helping a lot with this, yeah. but I think we should be. Um, not in condemning people who are struggling with this kind of addiction, mm-hmm. but in helping them to find um, hope in Jesus and uh, a uh, a, a community in which there's no condemnation, yeah. um, and people are brought in and able to be who they are and to struggle with their pain, and it's okay, uh, and we're not going to beat you up, and we're not going to throw you out. So I've seen some of these places. I've visited some of these ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to some of the leaders, and they're yeah. they're really wonderful things. Yes, um, these these kind of like halfway houses. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. You know, I, I visited a program in Scotland. And, okay. Uh, they they have great success rate yes. uh, as far as helping people, and it is community. Yes, it, it's also somewhat um, rigorous in that th- there's a zero tolerance. Sure, uh, you know, sure. like you, you're coming in here, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, uh-huh. and this is the way it's going to be. Right, but with that is all the support, all the, the yes. education, yes, the, yes, the yes. friendships, the you know, the, the everything that's at their disposal there yeah. really helps them get yeah. their life yeah. Yeah. on track. We need a, uh, if that's the kind of thing that we could we could do effectively. The thing is. I think what makes part of what makes that so great is that the gospel and the power of the gospel is brought to bear. I completely agree. And in in social work, eh, I don't know, man. You know, uh, you might have to help me see see the light on that one. But um, I think it could be much more effective if we could empower churches to do those t- sorts of programs, maybe with government funding, maybe with the right kind of training from the people who are doing it well. I think that could be one of the the big solutions, but yeah. I don't know. I don't like the idea of government funding all this. You and I have talked about, I want a smaller government, you want a smaller government, yeah. but if the church won't do what the church is supposed to do in bringing people in, in, then maybe the government can. Well, you know, and churches are shrinking. Yeah. Uh, so there, there may be a place where, where this is needed. There, there might be some kind of, and if we're if we're freeing I up a lot of needed. money, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, government fund funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're if we're alleviating a lot of uh, the the cost of prison sentences and yep. you know and mm-hmm. and the amount of we can put some more of that more money into like we said with as far as police training. Yeah. Oh and, sure. And improving our our policing overall yes. instead of uh, the expense of throwing someone in jail for having yet again another bag of marijuana in their pants. Um, yeah, I, I get all that. Yeah. 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 I don't think we're going to win the war on drugs by fighting the people who are hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Dave, we got some email from one of our listeners, Evan, and 
he did not like a lot of what we had to say about football being immoral. You remember that episode? I do. Yeah. Um, and he said that he enjoy he loves the podcast, but he's got a beef with this about this one. I was the one mainly who was saying that football is immoral, but he uh-huh. loves watching football. And in fact, he said it's the only support that he sport that he follows, and um, he loves the Green Bay Packers. Okay, so here's what he says. Um, he says football is dangerous, but he says the players are very well compensated, and. Uh, so he's saying that they are much better compensated than some other uh, kinds of activities that are similar. And he, an example that he gives is the cheerleaders on the sidelines of these NFL games get paid very, very little, and yet they do stunts that come with the real risk of paralysis. He also says there's an interesting uh, distinction between boxing and MMA, which we talked about, mm-hmm. that the boxers are very well paid for their... Um, fighting where only very few MMA fighters are well paid. That's they correct. are very poorly paid. That's absolutely uh, because a problem. They're not able to negotiate their pay. Um they're part of a league. I don't understand that um real well, but I do re- I've heard people talk passionately about that. And so he's saying that compared to some other places that are really dangerous, NFL actually pays its people pays its uh and so then the risk is okay, here's the money right. and then here's the risk and that people choose to go into it. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's a good point. Um, I'm not sure that comparing to uh, cheerleading is helpful. Um, yeah. What, what are the stats on paralysis for cheerleaders? Yeah, how uh, often do cheerleaders yeah, actually probably are they really, actually really low? Right? Yeah, I think so. I would but I don't know. But traumatic brain injury is pretty common in NFL players. It seems to be part of the sport. And uh, very high risk. Yeah. And paralysis is is more serious, or I guess more acute, we should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. But uh, it's, it's really unlikely. Um, and, and I'm not sure that the money makes the difference anyway. You know? Yeah. I mean, there are lots of behaviors that... You, you could do that are risky that you don't get paid for at all. You know, you, you do some aggressive downhill skiing that could lead to paralysis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not paid for it whatsoever. Right, right. Um, and so I'm not sure the money... I mean, I, I get what he's saying. They're, sure, they're, You're sure. taking a, a risk, mm-hmm. and here's a lot of pay. Yeah. But that just seems to incentivize people taking that risk for our entertainment for our entertainment and you know what he also makes the point that there's a lot of jobs that are um have got a lot of potential for injury and death and we compensate them for that so Uh he says uh for example underwater welders lumberjacks construction workers and fishermen have higher pays typically because of the of the risk that's involved I'll suggest in in kind of pushing back a little bit that those are slightly different in that they're not really there for entertainment. Right. There's a difference between um, doing a job that is, uh, in one sense, all jobs are dangerous in some sense, um, but they're for, uh, wh- what is the goal? And if the, uh, yeah, I think the goal is really important. Yeah. The societal production versus of entertainment. Yeah, so I go into so I, my job is in some sense dangerous because I go and see people with diseases, and I've been trained. I got good uh, personal protective equipment, um, but I go see people with all kinds of diseases, including COVID. I spend lots of time yeah. with people with COVID, uh, and but I uh, 
Yeah, and before that, tuberculosis. I've seen people with mad cow disease and all kinds of, you know, various things like this. I know how to deal with that, but it is a danger of my job, and I'm, I, I okay, that's worth doing. I'm worth, it's worth taking that risk. But that's different than taking a risk with your life uh, for someone's entertainment, in my opinion. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. different. Would you agree? I guess so. I guess so. Um, there are, I guess there, there are jobs that are more helpful to society than others. And there's yeah. some that are, that are, well, they're just not necessary or needed at all and might be a detriment to society, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Certain jobs that we should just do away with. Yeah. Um, football is a big business. Yes. And it is widely loved, uh, but it is causing traumatic brain injury yes. for our entertainment. And it's not like a necessary, you know, we, we need... Uh, let's just pretend that the doctors were receiving some sort of traumatic brain injury for saving people's lives in right. some, some right. weird way. That's a different thing. Yeah, we would. We it's just a risk that has to be taken, right? Yeah, and they should be compensated for that risk. Right. Um, but in this case, it's it doesn't have to take place. People can it's be not, entertained in other ways. Yeah. But and uh, they don't even need to be entertained. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think maybe you need to respond more because. This was more. Well, maybe you had no, a stronger I, opinion about it. I, I agree with that completely. I think yes, but it, then it's then it's a slidey bar because um, you know entertainers are 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 uh, good. I think a good job to go into is entertainment, and so basketball um, doesn't have nearly. We talked about this. Doesn't have yeah. nearly the um, injuries, but it does have some injuries. And so, how many injuries yeah. is too much? How much brain injury is too much? You know, yeah, somebody right. takes an elbow to the head, there might be a concussion in a basketball game, and that's always a risk. You can certainly have broken bones, and there's certain people who have, uh, you know, limps for the rest of their life from some injury that happened on a basketball court. That happens. Right. It's rare, but it does happen. So where do you draw the line? And I, that I can appreciate, th- that question. Yeah. Uh, I think there is some a, a significant place to draw the line before football, but I, I can understand... Someone else drawing the line somewhere else. In a different place, yeah. I think we ought to be careful when we say, uh, I'm going to draw the line somewhere else because I really like watching football. Right. That, I think, is a problem. Could definitely be a sign of... um, I don't know that Evan's doing that here. He does say he loves playing football. Excuse me, not playing. Uh, He loves watching football, and he thinks that it's uh, morally fine. And I, I... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I appreciate Evan. Um, I guess this would fall under the disputable matters category. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The Bible's not very clear about it, but I want us to be to think carefully about it. He does bring up one other issue um, that I think think is fascinating that we we need to throw in the hopper, and that is um, he talks um, about college football. Um, so the I think he says the average yeah the average contract for the NFL is a year and a half, and but the average college player plays for four years. Mm-hmm. And those people are not compensated at all. Yeah, And so he brings up the point of large um, revenue-generating sports in the NCAA, uh, which is basically college um, football and basketball. Those are the two main uh, revenue-generating sports. Uh, of Should those players be compensated? Well, and that's a different issue. They are compensated the in that they 
they don't pay tuition and room and board. I mean, they, they, they get a free ride in most cases. Sure. That right? is, um, that's a lot of compensation actually. College is outrageous. I'm, I'm looking into it right now with my two sons. <laughs> it, I know. It is ridiculous. Now, that could be a, a topic for the hopper. Yeah. So, Higher okay. education in the bubble that's going to burst. It's out of control. So those are two different topics, and I'll yeah. tell you why. Because I agree with you. So your topic, right, what you're bringing up right now, is college tuition is super high. Let's put, throw that in the hopper. Yeah, yeah. And there's something weird and going on about that. I've got plenty to say about that. And I, we should probably do some research. But then there's a different... So you say that they're getting a good education... And that that's good compensation. I'm not sure that's true. I didn't true. say they're getting a good education. Okay. Well, you said I said they're getting they're getting free tuition. They're getting free room tuition, board. room and board. Yeah, that's compensation for that is compensation. Yeah. But for most of them, that to what they have actually learned is crap. Um, yeah. And that is not which is an a education. different. I think it's a different topic, right? Maybe uh, so. Whether or not the the schools are actually doing anything for these students, that's compensation exactly. Um, yeah, that, yeah. What's going? Yeah, but but they don't have to pay to be in college, and that I'm just saying in a very simple one to one ratio, that is compensation. That's thousands upon tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on where you're going to school. Okay. Yes. So I'm not I'm not comfortable saying they're not compensated. Well, okay. So I'm I'm going to suggest <laughs> that that it's not just ten thousand tens of thousands of dollars, hundred hundred thousand dollars, something like that, depending on where they're going to college. But what are they getting for that money? It is not worth that sticker price. Well, the way that your sons probably it is worth because they're actually going to go to real classes. Well, that they could. There are there are students who are athletes that get, become highest educated degrees. You know, they they become engineers and doctors and everything else, and they they got a free ride. Yes, right. So just because there is a in, problem with with in the highest levels of Football and basketball, that is extraordinarily rare. It happens, but that's not the model. Yeah. They still get a piece of paper that says that they're a graduate. <laughs> that has value. It does have some value. Yeah. And they and if they're in football, they are likely coming out with some serious brain damage. Maybe so. Evan, thank you so much for writing in. Um, I think this is super helpful and... Um, I'm glad that you're watching the Green Bay Packers. Keep doing that. Uh, I don't know much about them, but uh, that's great. Well, they're all safe from traumatic brain injury because they have a big wedge of cheese on their head. <laughs> that's right. Foam helmets. Yeah. Maybe that's a, a new innovation. Foam helmets. Oversized. Oversized. That would be more entertaining Novelty for me. foam helmets. And really big helmets. Do that just for one year. You know, yeah. just like... Uh, that sounds great. Or like, oh, you know the sumo suits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got to go. wear a sumo suit. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. That would be more entertaining. That would be good. That would be very good. Yeah, they should do that. Can Absolutely. You, can you see someone trying to kick a field goal in a sumo suit? <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I, if they can throw it that far, that's good enough for me. Yeah. Oh, man. Evan, thanks for what. Hey, listen, um, for any of the rest of you, and including Evan, uh, what did what have we said so far that is infuriating? That is wrong? That that we just messed up? Write us and um, we will tell you why you're an idiot, or uh, or or maybe we'll agree with you. And we did with some with with Evan and other places we uh, didn't agree with him. But the discussion is worth having, and I love um, talking about things that matter and things that don't. And if you like an episode of the Hopper, why don't you go on Facebook and share it? Uh, email your friends. Let other people know about it. Thanks. Absolutely. 
Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we will discuss the nuts and bolts of nuts and bolts. I like nuts and bolts. I, I know you do. I'm sure you need, <laughs> I'm sure you know someone who needs to listen to that show. Be a pal and share the hopper goodness. Send them a link. And if they still don't listen, make them squeal like a stuck pig. Oh, yeah. Be sure to subscribe or follow. Um, special thanks this week goes to our physical therapist, Eustace Kane. Yeah, Eustace Kane. Eustace Kane. <laughs>